Welcome to an interview with Tawana Bradley, an advanced practice provider, here to share her personal experience in managing patients receiving Neuralinks for HER2 positive breast cancer. Thank you, Francine, for having me here today. As you said, I am a nurse practitioner in Atlanta, Georgia. I have about 20 years experience in the oncology field. I currently work in an outpatient clinic where we see a little of everything. We see benign heme, malignant heme, and all solid tumor types. So I'm here to talk today about the use of Neuralynx in the extended adjuvant setting for HER2-positive early-stage breast cancer. Neuralynx is a once-day oral kinase inhibitor that is approved for extended adjuvant treatment of adult patients with early-stage HER2-positive breast cancer following adjuvant trastuzumab-based therapy. Neuralynx reduces the risk of recurrence following adjuvant trastuzumab-based therapy. In HER2-positive Hormone receptor-positive patients who initiated therapy within one year of completing adjuvant trastuzumab-based therapy, there was a 5.1% absolute difference in invasive disease-free survival and a 4.7% absolute difference in distant disease-free survival at five years. The most common adverse events associated with Neuralynx occurring in at least 5% of the patients are diarrhea, nausea, abdominal pain, fatigue, vomiting, rash, stomatitis, decreased appetite, muscle spasms, dyspepsia, aspartate and alanine aminotransferase increase, nail disorder, dry skin, abdominal distension, weight decrease, and urinary tract infections. Diarrhea is one of the most common and severe symptoms associated with treatment and typically appears within the first week. In the extant clinical trial, diarrhea was typically early onset and short in duration. So as of July 2017, Neuralynx was approved by the FDA. It is an oral kinase inhibitor that is approved for the extended adjuvant use of patients with early stage HER2 positive breast cancer. After patients receive a year of trastuzumab-based therapy, they go on to receive Neuralynx in the extended adjuvant setting for up to a year. Can you explain your role and your interaction with patients? My role, I'm an advanced practice provider. I interact with patients on a daily basis. And one of the things that I like about my job and one of the things that I think is probably one of the most important things that I do for patients in my interaction is patient counseling and managing side effects. Diarrhea, as we know, it can be really distressing um, for many patients, particularly if you're young. And we know that HER2 positive disease typically affects younger women. And if you're trying to work, you have a young family and you need to work and you're having diarrhea, Patient counseling, managing these toxicities is going to be key. So my role is, however all do I see patients, treat many various different diseases, one of the most important roles that I have is managing toxicities. What does your overall cancer care team look like? What are the different roles and responsibilities at your organization? So we're a pretty huge organization. Um, we do have doctors, advanced practice providers, which includes nurse practitioners, physician assistants, we have nurses. Our nurses get divided up into infusion nurses, triage nurses, hall nurses, and they all come together really nicely. They really truly help us keep our patients on treatment. Our hall nurses, their role is to truly help us manage medications, education, counseling. They also partner with their infusion nurses and they take triage calls where they call patients back with questions if there's any kind of fevers, diarrhea, 
We also have pharmacists that are on site that also help us with counseling the patients as far as their toxicities from the medications. They check the labs. They mix in it um, for the nurses to be able to administer the chemotherapy. But they also sit down with the patients and, again, just kind of reinforce the side effects that are going to be the most important to the patients. We also have uh, nutritionists on site. Um, if not, they can do virtual visits. But our nutritionists really help patients to understand what it is to incorporate healthy eating, healthy lifestyle once you've been diagnosed with cancer. They also help the patients in understanding things that they can do to modify their diet to help reduce some of the side effects, the nausea, the diarrhea. And we also have licensed social workers on staff as well, and they help provide emotional support, um, helping patients get connected with support groups, community resources. So we have a really good disciplinary team where we all come together and we're really truly in it for the patients to put them first and to truly help them get through their treatment after having a diagnosis of cancer. How do you describe the treatment to patients before starting them on therapy? Before I write the prescription, I talk with all patients about the medication. I explain to them why we're giving it to them. We write the prescription, we go over the side effects, the toxicities, and I literally have them come in and we talk for about 30 to 45 minutes understanding why they're getting the medication, why they're taking it, and really stressing the importance of staying on treatment, that it's a year of therapy to help further reduce their risk of recurrence. For many of our patients, that fear of recurrence can be a little bit of an anxiety trigger and really truly letting them know that we're here for them, whatever their needs are, that will truly help the patients be able to stay on treatment. I literally have the patients come in for 30 to 45 minutes where we sit and we talk about the medication, why they're using it, why we're prescribing it, and how to take it. How do you describe the benefits of Neuralinks to patients? So I explain to patients the benefits of taking Neuralinks is that we have something else in our arsenal to attack this. It's reassuring to our patients to know that we have something else to target their therapy. And for many of our patients who are, not only are they HER2 positive, but if they're hormone receptor positive, meaning that they have estrogen and progesterone receptors on their breast cancer tumors, we're able to now have a dual blockade. And so that really gives our patients a little bit of comfort and ease. And for many patients, there's no reluctance, there's no hesitation. They want to be able to do something to further reduce their risk of cancer coming back. No one wants to have to go through this again. So many of our patients are eager to begin. They were excited when we heard that we have something because when they're done with the trastuzumab therapy, you would often hear from patients okay, I'm taking this pill for the estrogen, but what are we going to take for this HER2 part? And so I was so excited when we heard that we had something else to offer our patients to further reduce that risk of recurrence. Diarrhea is a common adverse event associated with Neuralinks. What is your recommended approach for proactively managing the diarrhea? Yes, so diarrhea is the most common side effect that you're going to see. So I think it's really important that we educate our patients about the diarrhea as well as the other toxicities. But one of the ways that I manage it is I give patients a prescription for Imodium. Although they can get it over the counter, Puma does have a reimbursement program for that where they can get free drug supply, but I still give the patients a prescription with Imodium. The dosing is a little bit different from the -the over-the-counter dosing, and so I have tear-offs that I can give patients that tells them how to take their diarrhea medicine, but I recommend taking the Imodium starting with that very first dosing of the Neuralinx. In the beginning, the first two weeks, they take it three times a day, 
And then from day 14 to day 56, they take it down to two a day. In the beginning, I have patients come in once a week so I can follow up on the diarrhea, particularly if it's a patient who already had some issues during adjuvant therapy with trastuzumab or HER2-based therapy. So if it's someone who you know is a little bit sensitive, then I see them a little bit more closely. So about once a week, then I start spreading it out to every two weeks. Um, in the event that the patient is doing well, then I may do a phone call follow-up with them every couple of days. But the key is making sure that they start their prophylaxis with day one of the near links and really truly reiterating on every visit, asking them to quantify the diarrhea and to call in if there's any issues, if they're having more than two stools from their baseline, but really truly staying on top of the diarrhea reassuring that they're, one, staying hydrated, and also taking a look at their diet to make sure that there's nothing in their diet that could be also um, exacerbating or affecting the diarrhea. How do you counsel patients before and during treatment on what to expect and the importance of treatment adherence? So treatment adherence is always something we're going to question in the oncology world because the patients are at home. We're entrusting them to take their medications the way that they should or the way that we prescribe them. But I talk to patients about staying on target, on mission with their treatment. One, because the you want to be able to get the benefit out of taking the medication. And what we now know from the accident trial is the patients, when they start it and they take it for the appropriate time, those are going to be the patients that want to get the best outcomes. And you're going to further reduce that risk of recurrence. So that's one of the ways that I talk to patients about staying on treatment and the importance of oral adherence. The second thing that I do is I talk to them about the side effects from the beginning all the way through. I don't just have the diarrhea talk or the side effect talk with the first visit. I do it the entire way through for that first year because things can change. I've seen where patients have gone on vacation and come back, forgot to take their medicines, and they start over. But I really, truly talk to them about setting reminders. There's a text message program where they can actually get a text message. They have to sign up for it, of course, but to remind themselves, setting alarms on their clocks. I also have the patients bring in their medications for every visit so we can review them. And part of that is for me to actually be able to visual, visually inspect the bottle to see if they're taking their medication. I ask them how they're taking it, um, if they're taking it at the same time every day, how many. Um, and in some cases, if we need to do dose reductions, we also will need to do dose reductions and explain to them that dose reductions are okay. Um, it's just another tool that we have to further help them to stay on treatment so we can get them through that year of therapy. Other than AEs, are there any other barriers to treatment adherence that you have encountered? So aside from AEs, I think that we know that a lot of our medications can be costly. So that's been a challenge for some of our patients. However, I've been able to get all of our patients' medications, but Puma does have a quick start program in the event that you're having to wait for approval or authorization from the insurance company. But that's just been one small challenge, just waiting or that delay between when you write the prescription, getting it to the specialty pharmacy, and then getting authorization from the insurance company. When patients experience treatment-related diarrhea, what are some strategies you can take to reduce this burden? So, as I previously mentioned, you may have a patient that during their adjuvant therapy, they may have experienced diarrhea with trastuzumab-based therapy. In those patients, I may do something called a dose escalation approach, where I may, instead of having them start the six tablets, I may start them out at three. And then each week, if they're tolerating it, the diarrhea is not severe, it's not higher than a grade two diarrhea, then I will each week take them up and increase and escalate one pill a week until I get to the six week. In the event that a patient's having a diarrhea, it's gone beyond uh, grade two 
or now grade three, I'll hold the medication, wait until the resolve, and try to reinitiate the medication. But again, I'll also make sure, one, that they're actually taking their diarrhea medicine. Neuralinks, again, is already six pills once a day, okay? If these patients are estrogen or progesterone positive, they're now also taking either tamoxifen, in some cases an AI. Um, and so that's a lot of pills to take in addition to taking the Imodium. And so just making sure that, one, they're taking their diarrhea prophylaxis, that's really what's going to help. Now, in the event that you've given the patient Imodium and they're still having some breakthrough diarrhea, we can always add in cholestopol, which is a bioacid sequestrant, or we can add in bedesonide, which is a steroid that would help with the inflammation. The diarrhea that you see from Neuralink, it can be inflammatory in nature as well as secretory, so these patients can lose a lot of volume. So one, staying on top of the diarrhea, if need be, you may have to get electrolytes, make sure they're not low in the potassium and magnesium. And in some cases, you may have to give intravenous fluids. But in the event that you have a patient that has a grade three diarrhea, they're having more than seven stools from their baseline, go ahead and have that patient stop, monitor them closely, see them about once a week. And then once the diarrhea resolves, goes back down to a grade two or less, you can go ahead and reinitiate. And in some cases, again, you may have to dose reduce. And the lowest dose reduction that a patient can do would be those three pills once a day. What should other providers know about dose reduction, holds, and discontinuation? So as previously mentioned, you may have to do a dose reduction. The lowest dose reduction would be three. In the Exonet trial, most patients did get benefit even if they did do only three tabs. And so now that's the reason why we have this whole concept of dose escalation where you can start with three and work up to six. So that's really encouraging to us to know that even if our patients are only able to tolerate three pills, they'll still get benefit. And if the patient, for some case, has a grade three diarrhea and you need to hold, as long as you can get the patient back on treatment and the dose hold has not been more than four weeks, then you can start the patient back up and then again start with a dose reduction. The initial dose is six. If they're on six tabs a day, the first dose reduction would be five, then four if they're not tolerating that, and then again the lowest dose reduction would be three. How do you encourage patients to communicate with you and the healthcare team during their course of treatment? So it's really important, I think, for us to have open dialogue and a good rapport with our patients so that they feel comfortable and they want to communicate with us and let us know if they're not tolerating therapy. For many of our patients, when you, once you prescribe a therapy to them, they really truly want to do their best to stay on treatment because they're thinking about, you know, I want to stick around, I want to be here to see my kids. And so I think it's important for us to have that open rapport. So that's one of the first things that we should do is make sure that our patients feel comfortable and open to us, to talking to us, as well as getting to know their families. One of the ways that we encourage our patients is if they have a question or a concern, they call in to speak to the triage nurse. We also have after-hours call where there's a nurse practitioner like myself or other advanced practitioners like physician assistants who take call after the office closes where if they have a question, they're having an issue with tolerance, they're having any kind of difficulty picking up their medications, then they're encouraged to call us. And if need be, we could always add them in for a sick visit to come into the office to be evaluated. But we have a really open, almost an open door policy where patients can come in 
talk to us. Um, we truly try to make time in our schedule where if there is an issue and the patients do come into the office, because occasionally that will happen, they'll just show up, that we have time in our schedule to talk to our patients. And again, also just having a, a really good team where we have, like I said, the social workers who can help us whenever there's a little bit of emotional distress or patients are now struggling with that fear of recurrence. We really truly pull together to be there for our patients and really truly want to have open dialogue where they can come to us with any of their concerns. How regularly do you see your patients when they are receiving Neuralinks? What do you monitor and discuss during these visits? So when we give the prescription for the Neuralinks, it usually takes about a week or so before they're actually able to get the prescription. And once they start, I typically see them within that first one to two weeks to see how they're tolerating it to follow up on and see if they're having any diarrhea or rash. There can be a rash sometimes that's associated with Neuralinks, similar to what you would see with many of our EGFR inhibitors, but I make sure that they're one wearing sunscreen, especially during the hot months where there's sun and you're out going to the pool and so forth, but also just monitoring that diarrhea. And if the patients are having diarrhea, then I will go ahead and check a magnesium and the electrolytes, and if need be, get them IV fluids. But in the beginning, I see them pretty closely, about one to two weeks to find out how they're tolerating the medication. For patients where I do dose escalation, where I start with three tabs and then work up, I'll see those patients every week until I get them up to six tabs. And from that point, we'll see them once a month. We'll monitor the LFTs to make sure there's no changes in that, review medications. And at that point, if these patients have been on treatment for a couple months, they're not having any issues, then we'll see them about every two to three months checking their LFTs. Are there any dietary and lifestyle modifications you recommend to patients receiving Neuralinks to try to reduce treatment-related diarrhea? We do have to think about dietary modifications when you're having someone that's having diarrhea. One, you would hold the treatment, but you would also inquire if they're having any issues with dairy, lactose intolerance, are they eating large, greasy, fatty foods? So you really counsel the patients and maybe advise cutting out dairy to see if that would help cut down the diarrhea, as well as doing smaller frequent meals. If the diarrhea is a grade three, you're having to hold Neuralinks, you would then um, tell them to do the BRET diet. But again, it just takes patients talking to us, looking at their lifestyle, and again, recommending small frequent meals instead of large big meals and not too many fatty, greasy items. Are there any educational resources or assistant programs you recommend to patients who are receiving this treatment? Yes, there are some wonderful patient education tariffs that you can provide patients on how to take the medication, dosing, timing, but also dietary modifications, the bread diet, lactose intolerance, cutting out dairy that we do use, as well as some of the patient access from Puma as far as the text message reminding programs, as well as their peer-to-peer program where you can actually get connected with a patient who was already on their links to really help the patients coach their way through, navigate, and just act as an advocate and a peer partner. What should other providers, particularly nurses, know about Neuralinks? So I think it's important as providers and members of the healthcare team that we know that we now have something else to offer our patients with HER2-positive breast cancer. You know, I think there's a little bit of reluctance and hesitation to adopt extended adjuvant use with Neuralinks. But when you have a patient who's estrogen positive, 
we don't think not to give them tamoxifen. When I have a patient who's HER2 positive, whether you're a stage one, no negative, I offer it to all my patients, and that way they can make an informed decision for themselves, but at least that they know that there's an option that we can further reduce their risk of recurrence. What are your tips for managing a patient through this course of treatment? One, just staying engaged, connected. Um, Again, it may take more office visits, phone calls, but my tips would be to one, stay engaged and connected with the patient, their family members, because they're the ones that's home with them, helping them through. Um, Just making sure that they know to report to us if they're having any kind of side effects, whether it's diarrhea, rash, muscle aches and pains, and fatigue. But again, just making sure that when the patient's taking the medication, truly advocating for them how important it is to take the medicine for only a year. You're not going to be like where you're taking it for five or 10 years, but staying on treatment for a year. Ms. Bradley, would you summarize what was discussed here and give final thoughts on the use of Neuralynx? Yes, Neuralynx truly has changed our treatment paradigm for our patients. In a disease state where we know that there can be recurrence, we now have something else to offer our patients. For me, being that I have family members who've gone through breast cancer treatment, this is exciting times where we actually now have something to further target HER2 expression. And so for me, Neuralynx helps bridge that gap. We're able to see the benefits from this and we're going to be able to further reduce that risk of occurrence for our patients. It just takes a little bit of education, counseling, advocation, motivation on all parts from the healthcare team, as well as our patients. Ms. Bradley, thank you so much for your time and expertise on the subject matter of Neuralink's treatment. Thank you for having me. For patients with early-stage HER2-positive breast cancer who are about to finish adjuvant therapy, the fear of their cancer returning can be top of mind. You play an important role in educating and empowering your patients to further reduce their risk of recurrence. For information on how to talk to your patients about recurrence, including patient education resources about HER2-positive breast cancer, visit extendedadjuvanttreatment.com. This message is brought to you by Puma Biotechnology.